conversations that inspire. I'm Jess Baker from Journey to a Better Place. And in this podcast, we're going to explore all the things that I just can't get enough of, like spirituality, meditation, positive psychology, living a conscious life, and living a life aligned to your soul's purpose. We'll speak to seekers from around the globe who are just like you and I, who share their stories to inspire us and offer us wisdom and insight from their journey. Thanks for joining me on your journey to a better place. Well, today I would like to introduce you to somebody that I'm really excited about. And I think it's really beautiful because it's a perfect example of how technology can bring us together. And oh my God, it's making me emotional. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) (laughs) Technology, Technology has, you know, lots of sort of negative things that it brings, but there's also many wonderful things that it brings. And one of the things that I love about Facebook is that you're able to connect with people from all around the world with like-minded views and you can learn off each other. And this next guest is somebody that I've connected with through Facebook and have gotten to follow her journey a little bit and see her grow. And she's one of the most beautiful souls that I've come across. And I'm so excited to meet with her today for the first time sort of in real life and um, share this conversation with you guys so you can get to know her too. So welcome, Abby. Welcome to Conversations That Inspire. Thank you, Jess. What a beautiful intro. And I feel the same way. Uh, it's it's really a wonderful thing that we can connect like this. I know it's not the same as being able to hug each other, but nobody's hugging each other these days anyway. But I mean, to be able to reach across from the other side of the world, thank you for inviting me. I'm thrilled to see you as well. Thank you. Um, it's so funny, isn't it, that, you know, there's a lot of a talk out there at the moment, I think in my world about the negatives of Facebooks and, and social media and getting off that and, and see that, you know, and I've had a little bit of an experience myself of, of trolls or people going through and saying these horrible things to each other, you know, they sort of sit in their room and think because they're not face to face that they can say these horrible things that you would never say to anybody face to face, I'd hope, mm-hmm. there's probably some people mm-hmm. who do. But what I love about you is that, you know, so we've met through this beautiful psychic group and I go through and look at, you know, the comments of everything and all your comments are always so uplifting and so inspiring and just so full of love that, um, you know, it's just that reminder that everything we do in life, there's it's about balance and that, you know, there's good things and bad things or, or people that are coming Mm -hmm. with that negative energy Mm -hmm. and that positive energy. Mm -hmm. And you bring such a beautiful, positive energy to the world. So thank you so much for that. Oh, how nice of you to say that. And it's funny that you talk about balance because that is like my motto. Uh, It's, it's a fine balance, like living here, being here, everything we do, how we eat, how we think, everything we say, um, whether it's exercise or anything we do, there's a fine balance. We have to, you know, our spiritual world and our human world, like it's all a fine balance to be able to exist here. Right. And it's my favorite book too, A Fine Balance. It is a novel. Yeah. Oh, who's, who's that by? Do you know? Uh, well, you'll like this. Uh, Rohinton Mystery, M-I-S-T-R-Y, Rohinton. He, he's uh, from India, actually, and he, he now is in Canada, and he's won awards for his books. But uh, that's one of his books, A Fine Balance, set in India. Oh, it, it's quite beautiful. Yeah, uh, you you would enjoy that. Yeah, what's his background or or story? Uh, Well, he is from India. He came to Canada and I I believe he worked in a bank as a bank teller while he was writing as well. And eventually his books took off. He won Governor General's uh, Awards here in Canada. Uh, He's written several uh, beautiful books. Yeah, this is quite a while ago. That book must have come out 25 years ago. Yeah. But um, my favorite book and my motto is a fine balance. 
for everything. Beautiful. I have yeah. to check that out. I love, I love so much a good book. And again, technology seems to be a bit of a theme for me today in that I love audio books that you can, and podcasts too, like, you know, now we can, mm-hmm. while we're walking or doing the, the dishes or whatever it is, it's a way that we can sort of have that information coming into us and to learn and grow. But again, I think there's balance even with that because I find sometimes myself, because mm-hmm. I have such a love of learning sometimes it's like okay hang on I just need to stop all the information coming in I need to stop all the energy coming in and just find that space to be and accept how it is I suppose in that moment that, yeah and that's interesting because I'm kind of the opposite I am a slow learner I have chugged along very slowly, not taking in a lot of information all at once. I have to digest everything very slowly and try things carefully, go back and look at it and then move ahead some more. And I think that's why all of my spiritual development has been so long and drawn out. I'm not one who can read three books at the same time, maybe two, but not three or four, like a lot of other people do. Mm. Um, but it, it's for me, it's slow and steady is, mm. is works for me. Um, that's why a lot of what I've done spiritually and my acknowledging my gifts have come late in my life because I'm in my early 60s. And I don't think I really hit my stride till my mid fifties. I love that. I feel like as I'm, I'm actually really excited to get older because I feel like as, as we grow, there's more depth and more richness in there. And I'm so excited to, to reach that age and, and find the wisdom and knowledge that you do, that you can see that just oozes out of you. Well, Um, and I think also, well, when you've grown your roots too, they're really, you know, like a mature tree you really are grounded and hopefully ready to really dig in and learn what's coming at you. Mm. Uh, that That's the way it's worked for me anyway. Um, I, I'm not saying it's right for everyone. Sometimes it is frustrating that I didn't start all of uh, these new adventures I've had in the last 10 years, 20 years ago instead of 10 years ago. But, you know, that was the human side, you know, raising kids and supporting a husband's career. And, um, you know, just slowly, as I said, chugging uh, along, waiting and biding for my my time. So what is it that you do? Can you share with the listeners what what you're all about and what you do? Because you do so many wonderful things. Okay, well, um, the Tai Chi, I started teaching that probably, I think it's about 20, 25 years ago. And uh, that was the beginning of realizing I'm some type of a healer or someone who nurtures people and not just because I feel people need help, but it's innate. It's in there. It's something I needed to do. And even as I'm speaking, you can't see me. It's a podcast, but I'm putting my hands up and it's like I I need to reach out. And I found after about um, 10 years of doing that, and I loved it, and I felt like I was really being a healer uh, because I teach in a specific, very technical way and take care of people's bodies while they're working. Um, I started to feel this tension in my hands and this deep desire to actually do more to help people when someone would be telling me they were in pain. And I would encounter a lot of that with Tai Chi because a lot of people came to learn Tai Chi because of um, recovering from something or they've got pain. I felt this frustrated Uh, feeling in my hands like I've got to do something to help these people and uh, again because of raising a family I didn't really go in that direction um, quite until about you know 15 years later and I started to do Bowen therapy uh, which is a light hands-on therapy and it triggers your body to heal itself Um, that's putting it really simply. So I started to do that. And shortly after I I did that, I realized I was able to affect people's bodies without touching them. So I was dealing with energy. 
I did do um, one quick weekend course on Reiki and it, it just didn't resonate for me, but I just kept doing what I felt was right when I was doing the Bowen and energy work. And I do have a friend who has uh, MS and she d was desperate for help. And I would, I would work on her and it, it, it did wonders for her and it lessened her pain. She was able to sleep, less meds, all those things. But then we were, we were sitting opposite each other in a restaurant having lunch. And soon after I'd be going to her home to give her a session, but she, I could see the pain on her face and it was in her neck and her shoulder. So I couldn't reach her from where I was sitting. So I just extended my hand out and I was moving the energy. And she said, it's just moving away. The energy, the pain is just slipping away. And you could just see it in her face. It left her. So I started working also um, with the energy when I did Bowen. And I started to do this remotely. And with COVID, now I'm only doing Bowen and energy work remotely. Nobody, um, you know, hands on at all. So a couple of years ago, I started to also acknowledge that I am a psychic and that I can communicate with spirits or well, more that they were communicating with me. I would get random words or visions and they were right. I could tell somebody what their sister's name was. I could describe what somebody's father looked like, describe how they dressed. And then I just, you know, did some reading about this, took a course and, um, it all came into focus and now I'm doing readings, evidential readings. So I'm an evidential psychic medium and um, <clears throat> the evidential part is really crucial for me because I feel that um, when you're sitting with someone and talking about spirit, they need to feel that they are actually with their loved ones or whoever it is that's dropping in or that they've asked to see. And so I need to give them undeniable information, such as um, your father drove a blue car or your brother um, had addiction issues or your sister and you used to go to theaters together, something that they can hang on to. So that, that's where I've, I've gone and I'm doing the most now. I'm doing the other things but this is what I'm really concentrating on now. And I feel it's a form of um, healing and uh, for people as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see the transformations when I'm giving the readings. Yeah. Wow. I love that. And I love that it is a journey, isn't it? Like we're here for a lifetime and I know I'm yeah. guilty of this of sort of wanting to rush and have it all now or know it all now. And it doesn't work yeah. like that, does it? It's like slowly the pieces yeah. sort of slot in and come together. And if you need to know the end picture, it can be paralyzing. You can, you know, you sort of don't go on that journey and pick up all the beautiful lessons on, on the way. But I think that I can understand when, when you're saying you want to know all the answers, because you probably didn't been doing this a while too. For me, it was this, hurry up and wait kind of thing and like now I'm there and actually I think in the last um five six seven years it's really gone fast for me uh as soon as I grab on to something it really explodes for me and it's probably because I've had all the grounding work Mm -hmm. uh, and life experience to get me to this point. So I don't know which is best. I mean, I don't think there's a, a best way. It is my way. It's been the way for me. This is my journey. Yeah. Yes, sometimes it is frustrating because I now say I've got to live to 100 years old because I've got to be able to do this for a long time. I'm not sure I would have felt this way. I'd started 20 years ago. Yeah, so true. We're all different and it's come through a few different ways for us today, hasn't it? And how each of us is different and there's a different path for everybody. And when you were talking about Reiki before, I found that really interesting because that was a point on my journey too, where I was sort of first looking into energy and what it all meant. And, you know, Reiki's one of the better known modalities 
mm-hmm. in my experience that it's talked about. Um, and, but mm-hmm. it didn't resonate for me either. It oh, didn't, okay. it, yeah, it didn't resonate for me and I didn't know what it was. And for some people it will and that's great. But I think it's so yeah. important understanding what your style is and what works for you and exploring that mm-hmm. and not getting caught in the traps of, this you can do this or this or this but it's it's picking and choosing all the parts that sort of come together that's right for you right right because Bowen therapy is a light hands-on therapy Um, most practitioners are seeing people and they touch them and I did that too but uh, combined with COVID and the lockdowns I'm not doing it but even before that I started to combine uh, Mm -hmm. Bowen therapy with energy work I would either do one or the other to start with usually I would start with the energy work and then I would do the Bowen but you know it's funny too because eventually I had clients that would come and have a Bowen session and then stay for a reading. Mm. And while I was working on them, I could sense, you know, someone coming in early for the reading. Mm. And I think, gee, you didn't tell me you had some trauma about, you know, a relationship with this person. And then it would come out in, you know, while I was working on them because of the reading, they would sort of interlock, you know, that two hours I'd spend with them. It's all the toolbox. All the tools are in the same toolbox. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's working on different levels. And it's, it's like we've got that physical body, but then we've sort of got that emotional, mental, um, spiritual body, and it's sort of bringing that all together. And mm-hmm. super powerful. I've, I actually I haven't had Bowen therapy, but one of my dearest friends is a masseuse. And the first time she put her hands on me, I was like, that's not just a massage. Like you could feel it. Mm could feel mm-hmm. it shifting things and moving things through the body and it's so Beautiful. much more powerful I think than just the traditional um, right massage yeah that, yeah I love that you combine them all together and and then lead into your readings that make it just makes so much sense it's it's really yeah, beautiful. it's a it's a whole uh, a whole way of working it, mm. it's it's really holistic mm. I mean in every sense right mm. mind body and soul yeah and I think too, when you were talking about the grounding is that that's for me a huge step and almost like that sort of first step. So that time looking, doing the Tai Chi is sort of like building yourself and your foundations and getting that. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people want to try and jump ahead and help other people, but and you can you can do both, you know, because it's sort of the the macrocosm and the microcosm. But it's mm-hmm. so important to do that work for yourself and come in yes. and really sort of do your own healing, so that you can then affect other people. Um, because we come with our our own system and our own stuff. So if we're able to sort of keep clear, then we're we're not passing our any negative energy or junk onto onto mm-hmm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, it, yeah, grounding is everything. Being rooted, being grounded is everything. A lot of people who are doing spiritual work, um, you know, at some point they realize that and then they forget it uh, and then they need to, to come back to it. But I, I find if you're not grounded, you know, you're working just from your chest up and things don't feel, um, you just don't feel committed the same way. Uh, you're less effective and I think uh, this is where some people get tired as well when they're working and Mm -hmm. I think if you're grounded you're always connected to that energy but again it's a fine balance right we do have to take care of ourselves and do everything yeah so what do you do to ground yourself these days uh well my favorite thing these days uh well I mean I was doing a lot of tai chi because I would have for COVID I was teaching six classes a week and I'm a badminton player as well so that's a lot of grounding as well but none of that now so I have rediscovered my big love of trees and I am so fortunate to be in a neighborhood with a lot of very mature trees and uh I have this 
incredible relationship with trees that I, I do remember feeling this is so funny I was a child and I remember in the front yard there was a little tree like I think the diameter of the trunk was maybe two inches three inches and kids were playing on the lawn lawn and pulling at the tree and I came out and I said stop that you're hurting the tree I distinctly remember feeling a connection and sympathy for this tree and and I, I you know I've always loved trees but that was that was the first memory I have of being connected to them and so now I have reestablished this real love and I can see the energy between myself and the trees I'll take walks and I inhale their energy and I put it back out towards them. And I have favorite trees and I realize that's not fair. So I, I would expand out to some of the trees that I were, I, I favored less. And I just, and I'm even getting goosebumps talking about it because they are, they're all full of beautiful energy. And some of these trees are being ignored because they're not as beautiful as the other trees. So <laughs> this is how I ground myself. I'm truly connected to the trees, big ones, little ones, ugly ones, you know, that you might call ugly. <laughs> that is my way. And I literally can see, I feel I can see the energy flowing towards me, like gyrating and back and forth from me to them. It's oh really, my God. really beautiful. Like, okay, this is, I know a little bit wacko probably for some people, but no, not at all. I love that. I love it. And what, a, what a beautiful metaphor for life too, right? Like, you know, that we do that well, with people or feelings or emotions yeah. and it's learning to embrace it all. And oh, yeah. I love that story. Thank you. Well, there, there is, a, <laughs> there is a beautiful book, um, Yogananda Parahamsa, who you might know too. He's a guru yogi from India and uh, he's passed now, but he brought yoga to the, the West and he's got a memoir out. And I was, re it took, again, this was a long story, but it took me a long time to realize who he was because he came to, oh boy, he came to me on a car ride going to a uh, to visit another yogi for a palm reading uh, workshop. I had a client who invited me to go. He said, you must come to see my teacher because he'll want to see your palm. You are full of wisdom, blah, blah, blah. So I went, but on the way, there was the spirit. And this was before I really opened up to my mediumistic ways. And I said, who is this man? I described him. We got to this place. And this was their guru, but I didn't know who he was. And I thought, oh, this is just their own personal, you know, teacher and master who's passed. Well, fast forward two years and someone else told me who this person was and I couldn't believe it. So he had come to me in that car and he had also turned up at that center when I was there to take that little workshop. So in his memoir, he describes from childhood how he had wanted to be like all his masters and to be able to see the universe the way they do. And he kept begging. Finally, after many years of hard work, one of his teachers just poked his forehead and he suddenly saw this energy I was describing all of the universe gyrating in this beautiful, colorful energy. And this is kind of what I see with the trees. Mm. So it's not that crazy. I'm not the only one. No, you're not. And, and I actually, I don't see colors, but I feel it. And I remember, okay. I remember um, another masseuse that I absolutely love. She does sort of Chinese um, medicine massage stuff. And when I was on her table, all this stuff would come to me. And so mm -hmm. like, I didn't mean to, but like I'd go in and sort of have an intention, not, not meaning to, but on the table, it's like everything just dropped in and it was all so clear what, what I was to do next. And oh, after, wow. after I'd done this, so she does a bit of cupping and stuff as well. After I'd done this, it's like that energy was amplified. So if I go out in the bush, like I, I feel it just like woof, 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 yeah. like pulsating. But at this time was when I was working as a um, safety trainer 
for the oil and gas industry and I was walking mm. through the the plant which is a horrible place to be it's really industrial really you know oh, chemicals boy. and sounds and I walked past an office that had just a couple of little trees sitting out oh. the front and I just about got knocked over I was like whoa because I wow. could really feel that pulsing from those trees that I feel in the bush but wow. here I was in this industrial environment and was feeling it and that was it was I'm sure it was to do with that massaging like just clearing that energy and again um and showed me how important it is with that body that mind all the Mm -hmm. energy bodies connected and how and the importance of looking after all of the system and how lovely for those trees finally (laughs) somebody who can hear us somebody can feel us hey wake up she's here (laughs) because I I do think that you know I mean everything is living everything is organic and they can feel that exchange of energy too and and that that's why you know I joke about sharing my energy elsewhere and not just my favorite trees but all of the trees because they feel it yeah you know so I'm sure that was lovely for those trees too when you were uh, having that massage, did you see colors in your body as well? No, I no, I didn't. I okay. just, I just got information, um, okay. and I feel, I feel like um, it's like a warmth, a tingling sort of warmth yes. going through my body. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd love, I'd love to see colors. Isn't it cool? You sometimes always want what other people have. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not doing it as much these days, but I do remember years ago being at um, a physiotherapist's office and, and he, and actually a chiropractor many years before that. And uh, you know, when you're in pain and it's, it's not the actual place they're pressing, you know, the pressure is maybe around your neck, but you feel it down your arm. And I would see yellow shoot down my arm or a throbbing red in my wrist, but I would see the pain or the energy in different colors. And that's kind of left me now, but maybe I'll make an effort to have that come back. But um, I, I would imagine you could do that. Mm. You well, can I feel think, that throbbing. Yeah, I was at the Body, Mind, Spirit Festival a couple of years ago and they had those aura machines, you know, where they take a photo of the aura. And yes. I was just sitting there waiting for friends and that, oh, my God, that place, I walked in there and... I had to go, I had to get out. Like I had to go find the meditation corner because it was just pinging with everyone and it was too much. Mm. I was watching this machine for a little bit and I was like, oh, I wonder if I can have a bit of a play here. And what I would do is I'd look at the person sitting there before they took the photo and I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, what color is their aura? And then mm-hmm. I'd take the photo and ha- I'd have a look at the photo and the color always matched what oh what was okay. coming to me it was like but I didn't see the color so um and, and you just you know, knew the color okay uh, yeah I just knew the color um oh, how interesting yeah so I, and who knows like as my journey unfolds maybe one day I will see color or maybe I won't you know it's that's just what's coming to me at the moment and I think you'll see the color well, that would be kind I'm feeling, of cool. yeah, I'm feeling that you'll see the color. Yeah. I don't see auras all the time. I do see them. I see them in plants more um, and not necessarily trees, but plants. I can see them in plants and um, occasionally I see them in people as well, but I don't see color. I see more just the white haze yeah. around them. Yeah. Yeah. I get I, that too with yeah. plants, more plants than people as well. Yeah. 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 I wonder sometimes I go into this place of wondering about um, you you know, religion and how they sort of talk about only humans have souls. And I'm like, but plants, like you can see it in plants and then thinking about like animals, you know, and do you, do you do any work with animals? Have you done any sort of energy work um, with animals? Well, I, I would like to more and more. And I think uh, like, and it's funny just that you're asking that question. I would not have expected that question. And I think it is a question that's supposed to be asked of me at the moment because I'm not really connected to animals. Uh, I, my two children, grown children have dogs 
And, you know, I was said to them, like, don't think you can bring them here. Don't think I'll be babysitting your dogs. Now it's, are you bringing Charlie? Are you bringing Fred? You know, that kind of thing. And like, I adore them now. But cats are something I'm not, I don't ever see being connected to at all, at all. I'll be nice and say no more about that. But I've recently done readings where, you know, I've seen dogs. But a cat came in, a client asked me, are you able to connect with pets? And she said, I had a cat. And before she could finish her sentence, that cat was rubbing up against my legs. Now, in, you know, life on this side, I would have jumped up, probably yelped and left the room. But I couldn't because this was my client's cat. And this cat was clearly using me to communicate. And for at least a full minute, that cat rubbed up against my legs hard, not just passing and back and forth, like took full advantage of my being a captive audience. And uh, I described the cat and, and the size of the cat. It was her cat. So I think, um, yeah, I might be going in that direction a little bit more, not specifically an animal communicator. There are some wonderful ones out there, but they will be coming in and I'm going to welcome them in. I mean, I was able to do it that time and I didn't expect it. So I think in future I'll be able to do that. I don't know if I'll get messages beyond I love you and I'm waiting for you is what I got. But um, yeah, so why not? If I can connect to trees, why not animals, right? Yep. yep. And, and I, I'm very, very connected to my grand puppies. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I was going to say, I've got a dog. I don't have a dog anymore, but I call my dad grandpuppy still from the, <laughs> from the dog. <laughs> I love that you do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it's, isn't that interesting? I feel like maybe that was a question for you because I wasn't going down that path at all, oh, but it was okay. something that just, I was like, where's that coming from? Anyway. Um, well, and it, well, but it's also interesting too, that the more um, connected I've become to spirit, more sensitized to this, um, the more I cannot, or the less I can stand seeing any kind of discomfort towards any animals. Hmm. I'm not saying that I was insensitive before, but I didn't feel a real connection. It's hmm. partly that I have these, you know, two dogs in my life, but it's unbearable for me to, you know, you're on social media, Facebook, there's always going to be ads about dogs or whatever. And or cats and I cannot stand it. It's horrifying for me now, which in the past I would just scroll past, but now it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. So I think something is going on there. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's almost a little bit like your tree story, isn't it? It's expanding to the animal world now. Yeah. Like, oh, I can do dogs. Yeah. Oh, there's a cat. I don't want to do the cat, but okay. Right. Like, I could send the energy to the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can really see, you can really see how people, as they become more conscious, they're more conscious in all areas of their life, like what they're consuming often will become vegetarian or or vegan and think about the environment more and what they're using and mm -hmm. um, yeah fascinating mm -hmm. and I think it is a sensitivity thing and I often wonder this with my chronic fatigue too that it's like my body is so sensitive to lights and sounds and toxins and it just, mm -hmm. just can't live in that environment um, yeah. which is lovely because it forces me to to sort of be in that or, or to consider my environment and make sure that I am balanced and if I'm not balanced then I'm on my yeah balanced and grounded right it's it's two things being balanced and grounded yeah because mm -hmm. I, I think of the grounding like if there's any sort of knock to you literally and figuratively if you're grounded you're rooted you can handle it better mm -hmm. You, you're grounded you don't fall over mm. you you sway and, and you duck and you you bend and you're flexible but you're grounded no matter what mm. yeah. yeah which probably makes sense why my meditation is so important to me because mm -hmm. it really is that grounding practice and if I maintain that then I'm so much better in physically mentally emotionally spiritually 
Yeah, I'm a meditator too, but not like you. I'm not as, um, you know, heavily into it. I, but I do have to uh, meditate at least every couple of days, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, definitely if I'm reading, I've got to do my prep uh, beforehand. I've got to take 10 minutes at least. And then I've got to take at least five more minutes to build up my energy again to be able to read. Um, yeah, I, I can tell the difference when I haven't done it. it. I know I need to do it or at least get out there with the trees, you mm -hmm. know, because to me, that's a moving meditation, just as Tai Chi is. But Tai Chi less so for me because it's become a job as well when I'm teaching, where if I'm taking a walk and I'm with the trees, that's all about me and the grounding and connecting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about Tai Chi? Because I just, I, I don't know, I've just found that really interesting, the whole embodiment energy stuff. And I was sort of looking into uh, like Qigong's come in, into me a little bit a few times recently. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'd love to yeah. know more. Well, I, yeah, well, Qigong is something totally different. And I'm not going to even begin to tell you what that's all about, because I've only learned a little bit about that through some workshops. And they weren't so much the exercise of doing uh, Qigong as learning about the healing and the energy work involved and connecting uh, with the universe and the energy in the universe, that kind of thing. And I've used it more for um, like energy work rather than as an exercise the way I do Tai Chi. So um, Tai Chi is, um, I consider, a moving meditation. And even with that, there's a billion ways to look at yoga or Tai Chi or meditation. So same thing. I teach it... Um, really in a very practical way. So very technical. Uh, I have subs for other people who teach Tai Chi classes and they will warn their students, she's a real technician. So yeah, that I thought about that and I thought that's very true. I do worry about angles of your feet and how you turn and the transfer of weight. So when people are moving, if they lift one foot, there is no weight on that foot. There is no moving forward uh, as you lift that foot, because all the weight is on the rooted foot still on the floor. So you do not move until the other foot has planted and rooted, and then you glide ahead, moving the energy back and forth. So it's all precise and um, looking at angles to protect joints, because I teach for the most part in quotations, uh, seniors, so 50 and up. So I can have a class where there's a 50 year old and a 90 year old, and I'm teaching exactly the same way. I'll have different expectations from people, but it's all um, taught the same way in a very technical way so that there shouldn't be any pain. And with some classes there, people do have pain and they need to be uh, observed and how they're doing it. So the transfer of weight, where your uh, hips are, where your knees are, most importantly, how far your foot is turned out, which can affect your knee, which will affect your hip and your back and your neck and so on and so on. So I, I do teach it in a technical way. And eventually, after a couple of months of classes with me, it becomes more of a, a relaxation exercise. But at first, I, I am, I'm a tough uh, practitioner. Yeah do it my way because you'll see the benefits right away, right away. Instead of teaching them in a very loose haphazard way. So they think they're doing Tai Chi, but not getting any benefits. And I teach so that they have the root knowledge right away. And so if they only learn uh, 25 moves out of the 108 I have to teach, they are getting the benefits already in the 25 moves. You don't have to wait till you've done the whole thing and then get the benefits. Yeah. Right. Lovely. So, yeah. I love, I love seeing this other side to you. <laughs> I, I am a tough, I am a tough uh, teacher. I, I've been accused of that, but I have students that have stayed with me for over 20 years. Yeah. You know, I, so it can't be all bad. <laughs> no. When I was a trainer, I used to be one tough cookie too. And yes, sort of went from an environment where perhaps things had gotten a little bit lax for some of them. And then that they had this young girl coming in and saying, no, nope, 
you've got to do it again. It's not good yeah. enough. You've got to do it right. again. And, right. and, but they, they respected that and appreciated that and mm-hmm. knew that like they couldn't just zone out because I would come and ask him the question because it was so important for me to, to yes. make, to get the value out of it and use the knowledge rather than what's the point if it's all wishy-washy and we're not well yeah well there are there are people who want that and they're you know in their defense there is some benefit to moving around to dim lights shoes off candles lit and some music but I have none of that and so those people move around and it looks very flowy and flighty and like fun but there's no real benefit, except maybe they feel happy afterwards. My students feel happy too. We do laugh. I, I, I kid them and I, I try to make it about them against me so we can have a good time. But, um, you know, the lights are on, they've got good shoes on and there's no candles and no music because I don't want to talk over the music. I'm, I'm, instructing I'm correcting and I'm doing it in French and English so you know it's a lot it's a lot that goes on but people stay so they must be reaping the benefits of that hard work but no we do have fun Uh, people wouldn't (laughs) stay for 20-25 years if if they were being scarred by my tough lessons (laughs) yeah that's right um, and I think it depends, like you say, there's all different avenues for, for people and yeah. um, like be- different benefits. Like I, I love the sound of that and I also love the sound of dancing with the lights off because to me that would be more oh, yeah. like a dance meditation and I love yes. dancing meditations. And actually mm-hmm. speaking of colours, that reminds me when I do dance meditations, I do, no, I don't see it. That's interesting, actually. I, I, well, I see it in my third you must, eye. You must be I feeling see, the colors. I see the, I see the colors, but it's, I guess that whole thing with spirituality for me was learning that like, it's not like I see this cup sitting in front of me on my desk here. So like, I just see colors like exploding out of me. And I that's just beautiful. love that oh, that's dance beautiful. meditation stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the idea of dance meditation too. I mean, I, I described earlier that I need time before a, re- a reading. I have my rituals and um, one of them is to turn on music. And I do often, if I'm not standing, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm gesturing and moving to music, but sometimes I will stand and I will move just to build the energy. So it's another moving meditation. And yes, it's, it, there's nothing rigid about it and technical about it. So I do appreciate that too. But when I'm teaching Tai Chi, I'm teaching Tai Chi. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand, and I do have people who are not happy with that and they move on to find something else and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine. But yeah, the, the moving meditation and music is beautiful. But I, I think you must be seeing the colors or feeling them. You mm-hmm. must feel the colors. Mm. Um, I can't even explain it and I think and again that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is that it doesn't have to be how you think it should be I find it difficult to articulate my spiritual experiences sometimes like I just accept how it is so I I don't feel like I necessarily need to label them or yeah I don't know I just think it's important for other people to understand that things happen differently for different people and it's all okay Yes, and our journeys are all different. And I always, I always feel a little bit intimidated about talking about my journey, because it's been so normal. And uh, I don't know another way to put it like I didn't study a lot. I haven't read a lot of books in all the years. And uh, things just came when they were supposed to. And I'm just learning to accept that and to I mean, just learning to not be frustrated that it's only now really uh, blossoming in the last few years uh, and that the way it came, it was supposed to be. Mm. I wouldn't be who I am and ready for it. I guess I wasn't ready for it. Mm. It's been slow. But I do remember even in childhood asking my father, what are we doing here? I don't remember his answer. I'm sure he just ushered me out of the room because what do you say to a eight or nine year old child? You know, what are we doing here? 
I, I wanted answers. I believed in extraterrestrials. I believe that they didn't, um, they're, they're not making contact because they, they're not sure we're worthy. You know, I, I thought those things as a like 10 year old. Mm -hmm. So I, I was a very spiritual and curious child, but I just let it all sort of slowly seep in. And so uh, not like some people who are always searching and taking the next class or reading the next book. That's not what I did. I, I sort of wait for things to come and I grab onto things as they pass kind of like a buffet, you know, like, oh, I'll have a little of that. Well, that's over there, but I'll have to wait till I get over there, you know, like that. Yeah, that's or like an assembly line. I wait until it passes. You know? Yeah. And so that's, I'm accepting so that journey. Yeah. And there's that's to me where you get a lot of the power because it's, you're not controlling, like, you know, you're not controlling from that human side or whatever. It's just letting the universe bring you what you need, when you need, trusting that it will come and, and following those breadcrumbs. I think that, that's huge. Yeah, I guess the trick too is to not be frustrated while you're um, trusting that these things will come to you. Um, I guess another thing too is that some people who are grabbing onto a lot of courses and books and so on and following a lot of different paths and there's benefits to that but uh, there's frustration there too I suppose because they'll follow something and it didn't work for them and why didn't that work for me I'm really into it so I you know it's, it's different for everyone I suppose I should just accept that this is the way it was for me and I'm, I'm much happier when I do that and I'm excited about what's next and I have to live till 100 at least <laughs> <laughs> well maybe or maybe you can come back another lifetime oh well you know coming back I don't know it's a hard life isn't it oh it sure I, I joke about that I'm not sure I want to come back again I think I've been here a lot of times <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to come back again I want to I'll wait for my options <laughs> what are my choices here <laughs> yeah sometimes I think why did I sign up for this <laughs> I uh, well frankly I think we're all very courageous to be here yes you yes. know for those who are listening at believe in reincarnation uh, i understand those who do not but even if you don't and you believe that we just come once the fact that we came once or for those of us you know we keep coming back it, it's we're courageous and i and you know you and i it's fine we're courageous but i i look at the people who have real hardships in their lives um, again, we'll go back to India and, and some of the people who live there in dire straits. And those are really courageous souls who mm -hmm. came here knowing that they would be living such hardship for the good of all mm -hmm. to bring back information and learning mm -hmm. and enlightenment. Um, yeah. So all kidding aside, yes, it, it's really hard to be here. And I think we're all courageous to have come. Mm. I, I remember being in India um, a couple of years ago and I was sitting down in this busy square eating from a newspaper my breakfast and it was like this rice thing I don't know what it was absolutely delicious mm. and this young beggar girl came up to me and she was going around you know to everyone asking for money and it just broke my heart and mm -hmm. I find that really difficult like not knowing what to do to help somebody and feeling helpless like you know what what yes. can I do like I can give her a little bit of money now but mm -hmm. that's that's not going to affect her long term or anything um so what I found myself doing in those situations is just wishing love to them and just send, yes. sending them love and knowing that like that that is something that I that I believe is sort of working on that deeper deeper level mm -hmm. yeah and admiration sending them admiration oh my god the you know i mean we talk about india but it's all over the world there's a lot of people suffering and and i i do sincerely believe there are very courageous souls so yeah to come here and to know that they're going to go through this journey um yeah do i want to come back i'm not sure uh, to choose very carefully. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I've noticed too with people um, that I've had conversations with is that as human beings, sometimes we 
we can look at other people's sufferings and think that we shouldn't be suffering or take away from what we're going through. But there's this inbuilt thing in, in humans that it's like, if I'm, if I'm having this, you can't have this. Or so it works like in both ways in that, you know, you've got the suffering, so I can't, I can't suffer because your situations are so much worse than what I'm in. But it Mm. also works the other way too in people thinking like, I can't, I don't deserve this or I can't take this because it's taking away from somebody else. Yeah, that's a tricky thing. Um, But again, I think we all have our own journey. I find it uh, not a comforting thing for anyone when we say to them, but so-and-so has got it so much worse. Um, You know, if you say to a friend who's having a hard time, the worst thing they could hear is that, but look at so-and-so, they just lost this and that, and they have nothing. That does not take away a person's pain. We all have our trip, we all have our journey, and we all have our lessons to learn. We all have our struggles in those journeys. It's not saying to you, if you've come to me with a bad situation, it's saying, oh, well, look at the, the starving kids in Africa. Like, you've got nothing to talk about. Like, they're saying that themselves. Like, right, you know, right. oh, actually, I've got a roof over my head and I've got food in my belly and I've got a job and, you know, I've got all these things. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be suffering. But yet maybe physically they're okay, but maybe there's some emotional stuff or, you know, some some of those deeper body stuff that sort of needs a little bit of work or a little bit of balancing. And and it shouldn't be like mine's worse than yours or. Well, we're all human here. We're all human here. And so our suffering is our suffering. And I think it's worth acknowledging. I mean, um, I mean, no, it does no good for anyone to be um, stuck and stagnating in a place that things where things aren't working. You've got to put one foot in front of the other. But it doesn't help either to beat yourself up and say, um, my my feelings don't matter or um, compared to someone else's. Our pain is our pain. Mm-hmm. So we acknowledge that and we move forward as best as we can. But the last thing we need is to beat ourselves up or have anyone else beat us up because mm-hmm. we have some kind of quotation suffering or mm-hmm. unhappiness. It's mm-hmm. all worthy of um, acknowledging and dealing with. Tell me a little bit about, you mentioned before a couple of times that you had some rituals you mentioned like you do meditation and dancing. Is there any other sort of spiritual practices or rituals that you do yourself? I do journal a little bit. Um, I, I try to include gratitude all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that people always do that I, I don't think to do. Uh, recently, people are saying acknowledge that you have angels around you or that your guides are around you. I'm working on that, but that doesn't come naturally for me. But gratitude has become something very natural for me. Uh, after a reading or that I'm feeling good that day or someone acknowledge uh, my good work, um, the walk that I took and the connection to the trees, I am so grateful for everything, all of it. And I, and I write that down and I, and I speak it, you know, just grateful for small things. All those things add up to a lot of things. I'm very grateful. So yes, a little bit of journaling. Um, yeah, the moving meditation. And sometimes I do do Tai Chi on my own. I don't much, my students ask me a lot about that. They want to hear that I'm, you know, at home umming and, you know, and, and doing my Tai Chi. And I say, I'm teaching you guys all the time. So I don't go home and do Tai Chi. But now with COVID, yeah, I'm, I'm finding that I've got to really do some on my own. But it's the, um, I think for me, the trees, the moving meditation, walking outside and, and being grateful. I just even breathing the same air that the trees are breathing makes me so grateful. Mm. Yeah. I know that sounds very simplistic and strange, but for me, it's as simple as that Mm. and filling my body up with that beautiful oxygen and energy from them trading back and forth. It's 
Yeah, everything for me. It's become my most important ritual, mm. connecting with the trees. Mm. So it- it's winter here and it's getting harder to do that. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this winter goes because the first winter I have where I feel a real necessity to get out there with the trees. Tell me, do you, are you a vivid dreamer? Do you dream? Uh, and that's interesting too. Not in the last uh, five years or so. When, when I started to, to um, study Bowen, I was so intent on getting it. Like I'm really a very slow learner. This is the other thing about my journey. I'm also a very slow learner. And um, learning Bowen therapy was really hard for me. We had to also learn uh, anatomy and physiology. And anybody who knows me well would not believe that I did that, but I did do that. And so I stopped reading novels and I stopped dreaming. I like being aware of my dreams. I'm sure I was still dreaming. So I find they're starting to come back. But no, before this, though, yes, I was a vivid dreamer. And I could stop my dream. If I was speaking out loud and I could hear myself, my husband would wake up. He'd say, what? And I'd say, go back to sleep. I'm dreaming. And then I would, you know, push the pause button and continue the, the, the dream. So I knew what I was dreaming. I knew the reason I was dreaming. I knew what the dreams were about, mm-hmm. but um, not happening much these days. But I, I really think because my mind is somewhere else, I'm so intent on the um, psychic medium work that that's mm-hmm. what's happening. It, it sort of, you, you put things in certain frames and there's boundaries, you know? I, I used to as well, um speaking of boundaries i i didn't have boundaries for spirit before so i would have random sight of things or hear things i don't hardly ever do anymore because i they know i i believe they know when i'm working and when i'm not Mm -hmm. so occasionally someone will come in but very rarely or just as i'm getting ready to to come in and work, sit at my desk and do my rituals, they start to come in. Sometimes they lean in before, maybe half an hour before. And occasionally I'm a little bit late getting ready and some anxious spirit will be actually, you know, pushing me to get to my desk, hurry up, my daughter's waiting kind of thing. It's, It's comical sometimes. But so I've set boundaries. So now I think I've limited how much I can, you know, really pay attention to these dreams and also to spirit. I just don't get much of that anymore. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you can share with us about your evidential mediumship? Like, is there something that you know now that you didn't know at the start that you wish you had have known or? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, I guess I, I wish I had have trusted myself more from the beginning. Um, when you're reading, if you don't trust yourself, you don't say things, you don't give information. Um, <clears throat> you believe that it's your own thought instead of believing that it, it's, it's not yours. It's been given to you. Pick it up. So I probably didn't, um, I didn't realize how actually connected I was, that it wasn't just my thoughts. They were actually messages. And perhaps I I might've done this sooner if I had realized, uh, if I had trusted the information. So, so that like trust, trust what's coming and, and it's okay to be wrong. Uh, I do tell people that when I'm giving a reading, this is what I need for you to say yes, no, maybe, or I don't know. And a no is perfectly fine. Please do say no, because I'll just work and I'll get there. Mm. So um, I just trust and I say whatever comes in. And sometimes some really wacko things come in. Um, The other day I told someone, did your mother drop a chicken when she had baked it, roasted the chicken? And she said, no. So I don't know if she'll get back to me. She did say there were things that she didn't realize were actually truthful clues 
but she only thought about it afterwards. So that's an example where I didn't get a confirmation, but I've gotten others like um, I saw a food fight where um, I saw this image of food flying across the room and a cake fly across the room. And I sort of sat for a second and I hesitated and I said, okay, I'm going to tell you, I saw a food fight and the cake fly across the room. Well, the client threw her head back and started to laugh and tear up all at the same time. Her father worked in the food industry and there was a lot of battling and chaos. And she said, that is a metaphor for what he did. So, you know, a year ago, I might not have said that, but uh, four months ago, I did because I trusted the, you know, and, and I thought it's okay to be wrong. It's okay. So maybe her mother, the mother didn't drop that roast chicken, but there was a food fight on this reading. So it's a good thing that I said it. Yeah. What I like about that too, is that sometimes it comes through, it is a metaphor. Like the mm-hmm. other the other day I was doing a reading and I said to her, like, I'm getting a primary school sort of aged boy in, in mm-hmm. a room. And she's mm-hmm. like, all my kids have grown up. And I was like, okay, well, instead of like dismissing that as I'm wrong, I was like, mm-hmm. well, what could that represent? What could that mean? And it right. was it was more the feeling for me of like, he's like saying, Mum, I'm going to school to learn other stuff. Like, let me let me go and learn other things. You don't need to hold right. me so tightly. And, okay. and so then sort of talking through that, it was like he was sort of, that was what was going on in their yes. life. Yeah. So without, with, without having that inner critic of like shutting ourselves down, like, no, that's wrong, just questioning right. that, like, okay, well, if that's not it, what could it be then? What else? Exactly. Yeah. Not taking a no as a no or an insult or um, something that you, you can't move beyond. Like keep working on it for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. The other thing, big thing that I realized is that when we do readings for people, whether, uh, well, for mediumistic ones, you are not only working for the person who's come to you on this side, the person who's hired me to do the reading. I'm also working for spirit. Those people are also interesting, but they're also uh, wanting as much as the person on this side to connect. They have need to connect as much as on this, the people on this side. They, they have messages, they have needs, they have wants the same. They want to make sure you know that they're okay. And on this side, we want to know, are they okay? Well, they want you to know, yeah, I'm okay. And, and on this side, uh, do you know what I'm doing with my life? Are you happy that I've got a child now? And on the other side, they want you to know, I saw your baby. I've been with you through all of it. So that's why sometimes spirit is so anxious for you to sit down and get reading. Um, I, I tend to be able to reach people that nobody else has managed to or um, connect with them in a way that is meaningful. Like they've had them come, but they weren't sure. There wasn't evidence. And I don't know what it is. So far, I don't think I've ever had um, a client come to me and say, I want to speak to this person and I can't get them. I've, I've always been able to. So I think I'm uh, approachable and that seems to be my niche. Like anybody who you've not reached before will come through. So like the mother that it was really pushy. And I said, your mother's very anxious. And she said, she's never come before. And she's had many readings, but her mother's never come. Well, that's why her mother was anxious. Mm-hmm. So they are just as anxious to see the the people on this side as we are on this side to see our loved ones who've passed. Yeah. So that's something I learned. They want to know too, what's going on over here and what are you doing? I see you. Why are you doing that? And do you know that I'm still watching all those things? That's beautiful. And listening to that, like almost got me a bit teary. Is that, that truth coming through? Like that, what a, what an, honor to be that conduit 
Yeah, I do feel honored. I feel very lucky and very honored. Uh, it's it is serving. It is serving um, living and people on the other side, serving them all. Mm. It's beautiful. I'm so grateful. Again, gratitude. Very grateful. Mm. Very, very grateful. I'm grateful that it didn't happen in 10 years from now. It's happening now. <laughs> Mm. well I suppose I should probably let you go like I said I could talk to you all day long <laughs> I just <laughs> I find you so open and warm and kind and it's no wonder that that spirit wants to work through you and with you and um, thank you Jess it's just been so lovely talking to you and nice to meet you finally face to face well we're face to face but anyway we'll, we'll have to we'll have to touch base again yeah, definitely, for sure. I'd really, really enjoy that. Yeah. So, Abby, if um, people want to work with you or connect with you, how can they do that? Where, where do they come find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. I look up Abby with Spirit, and that's my Facebook page. Um, I do do my readings through uh, Facebook uh, video or through Gmail meetings. So say someone doesn't have Facebook, they want to gift one or something. We can do it as long as they have some kind of an email um, address that that would be enough to connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, thank you, Jess. This has been really fun. Like I said, I could talk all night to you about this stuff and it really has filled my soul and um, I'm sure oh. that it's going to resonate with other people and give them what they need to be able to move forward in that journey as well too. So thank you for joining with me to share that, that gift to others. Okay, thank you, Jess. Thanks for joining me for another inspiring conversation. For more inspiration on topics like this, head over to my Facebook page, Journey to a Better Place with Jess Baker. If you want to know how you can work with me on your journey to a better place, check out the website www.journeytoabetterplace.com. Bye!